this is about you. The infinite you. The part of you that can't be seen, can't be smelled, touched, or tasted. But you know you feel it. Who you really are. In a world lost to confusion, a universe that's partly illusion, when we look for meaning, we often simply find more delusion. Ground your consciousness in the sounds of the universe, a podcast about your true omnipotence. There's a universe inside each of us, but our beliefs keep us constrained to the edges of what we can imagine. The Innerverse Podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garden, and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all, our lives. to my Interverse podcasters and welcome to the one within all. I'm Chance and I'll be your host once again on another fascinating voyage to the fringes of free thinking as we survey the unknown in search of the self-empowering knowledge that we feed on to continually create infinite love in our personal universe. Recently, we've covered both ends of the reality spectrum from positive topics like health, personal training, and spiritual practices to the darker dimension of deranged and delusional conspirators who trick us into sickness through the pharmaceutical suicide facilitators and military industrial media monopolizers currently corporately controlling the mainstream narratives and worldviews held by the common folk. But have no fear because although many of us are riding the rails of that doom train at high speed, today's returning guest is here to show us that there's light at the end of this tunnel and that the keys to putting the brakes on our own personal Armageddons are already within reach. He's a real-life rainbow warrior, Krishna consciousness artisan of plant-based cookery, Buddha of medicinal food bowls, and a man who's never paid taxes. His name is Kenny Palarantano, and he's known for his blog, Kenny's Conscious Kitchen. He's also spent years creating change in the freedom movement as a rising contributor to voluntary society builders worldwide. In his daily walk, both online and off, Kenny brings a glowing attitude and articulate wisdom to our planet that is exactly what's needed to build the new Earth paradigm that many of us feel is coming. On his last visit to the Interverse, Kenny and I talked about being the change the world needs, cryptocurrency, corporate fiction, and the straw man conspiracy, personal responsibility, the connection between toxic diets and enslaved minds, and so much more. If you love freedom, then be sure to dig up our previous chat as well, because this time around, we're picking up where we left off and planning to discuss real-life examples of non-coercive social structures like the Rainbow Gathering Community, 
and Kenny's experiences putting conscious anarchy to work with compassion in the real world, not just philosophically. Look in the show notes to find the links to Kenny's website, kennysconsciouskitchen.com, and his very excellent Steemit blog and video channels. And while you're there, consider clicking the link to sign up for Interverse Plus that you'll find in our show notes here. As a member, you'll get double-length podcast episodes where the conversations blossom into the weirdest and greatest directions you could want. And by joining, you'll get immediate access to the archive of over 50-plus episodes that clock in at the two-hour mark or longer. One quick addition I had to make in editing is that there's not actually a plus extension for this episode, although usually there would be. And the reason is because about a month ago when we had this talk, I actually forgot to hit the record button for the first hour. At first, it seemed like it was a rare case of Mercury retrograde attacking me through my carelessness, but I didn't sweat it. And it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because an event Kenny and I discussed in that unrecorded hour ended up not painting out. So we would have been telling you all to go check out something that ended up not happening. So if we make a reference to that event in this other hour, just know that that's why it seems out of context. Kenny and I didn't line up for the second hour, but that doesn't mean we won't just do an entire another show sometime in the future. And since I'd been sitting on this chat for a month waiting to see if we could line that up, and because I had been sitting on it for a month and I was behind in my production schedule this week, I decided it would be best for everybody if I just put this out as an hour-long episode. And with that little disclaimer out of the way, before we start, I want to say how grateful I am to everyone for being here with us and also to give a huge thanks and appreciation to the vegan crusader and human liberator, Kenny Palarentano. His time is very valuable because he's got so many people he's helping on a regular basis. I encourage you to check out his excellent blogs and videos, but for sure, let's all welcome him to the show with a big old blast from the transdimensional love lasers in your heart chakra. They're good for his health, and you could always use the practice with your long-range psychic magic. Kenny, my dude, I'm so glad we're making this happen again, and welcome back to the Innerverse. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure to be here. So you've already known this because I will have had to explain it at the beginning of the show, but crazy Mercury retrograde catastrophe. Uh, the first hour of the show, I actually didn't record Kenny's side of the conversation. I don't know. I, I like to just find as much of life uh, as entertainment as possible. And just especially when things might be frustrating or something, just like stop and laugh at myself and like, really? Does that is, is that something that's worth getting a negative emotion about? <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm so happy with myself because even when I realized it happened, I, I started sweating for sure, but I wasn't like, you idiot. I didn't even think that about myself once. So thank you, me, for being nice to me because it happened. It's already enough of a thing that it happened to not beat ourselves up over it. And that's a great lesson for life in general is that there's always going to be a new problem or a new thing, but no problem exists without a solution first. And that's uh, where we learn more about ourselves. And I have plenty of things I want to get more into. And so I'll just jump right to a question because something that we can learn a lot about as leaders of this new earth that we're building, I consider everyone on plus to be that. Otherwise, why would you be dedicated to getting more of this type of information? Let's talk about why so uh, voluntary social participation is better than a mandatory system. Uh, just in general, if you have some some po talking points that other people can incorporate into their uh, personal talking points with others. Well, I mean, the first one just being that any any mandatory system has to rely on violence at some level. Maybe they don't use it. Maybe they're really good at just coercing people into doing the thing. Maybe the the fear 
is really strong or maybe, you know, the religious belief is really strong, but at some point there's, there's a threat. Otherwise it wouldn't be mandated. Like that's, you know, if you're mandating it, then at some point there's an or else. And so that, you know, doesn't leave a whole lot of room for, for consent or for sovereignty. Uh, if that's the foundation of things on the other side, you know, cause that's just kind of like the moral side of it. Just, I would say it's always going to be wrong because of that. On the other side, the, you know, the more pragmatic side, let's say, if you're forcing people to do things a certain way, then you're closing off all the opportunity for other solutions. You're, you're saying if the way that you wanted to solve this problem doesn't match up with our way of doing it, then it's automatically wrong. When in reality, we know that things are always moving forward, right? We're always coming up with new ideas. If every time somebody had a new idea, a new technology, a new tool, we said, no, that's not what we're already doing, so it must be wrong. Well, we'd still be living in caves and throwing rocks at animals to try to catch them and, you know, wearing rags. Like, we, it's pretty important that we're always open to and, and even looking for new ideas, new ways of doing things, new ways of, of just correcting or, or building on what we're already doing. And, and that mandated, that, that prescribed, you know, top down model of things really doesn't leave a whole lot of room for that. I think that's basically evident just in the two words, mandatory versus voluntary. However, yeah, the conditioning is pretty strong to make us not even look at our system as mandatory. And like we said, to sort of just believe uh, that it's, that we're free. And I like what you pointed out that we would still be throwing rocks at animals to try to catch them if we didn't incorporate new ideas. And I know that you had said to me that you've been surfing the Buddhism vibe lately and incorporating some of the wisdom from that system. And what I think maybe is important to point out about that transition from living in caves to living in, well, man-made caves, (laughs) I feel like I'm in a cave right now, is that at some point we had to tune in and listen to something maybe inside of ourselves that gave us a new idea. But I know that you're a spiritual guy, conscious guy. What is your take on the notion that we are evolving at the influence and behest of spiritual forces that may be actually giving those first shamans the idea that, well, we could actually make tea if we boil some water and threw these herbs in it or, you know, for everything from ayahuasca to what we consider to be modern society. If you dig into it, you can possibly find some spirit influence. And I was wondering what your take on that is. I I definitely feel like, I certainly don't discount any ideas like that. And I, I think that that's something that happens a lot. I think it actually spirit influence happens far more than most of us would, would acknowledge or really take note of. And it's something that should sort of be demystified. Uh, it's something that Daryl Anka who, who channels uh, Bashar, he talks about quite a bit. We just watched uh, the friends I'm staying with and I just watched a documentary about Bashar recently. And that was one of his big points in there was, the idea of demystifying what channeling is like channeling to the way he was really laying it out is like channeling is just getting in the flow state, getting in the receptive state, getting, you know, a, a, a sports player who's like at the peak of their game, a chef who's dancing around the kitchen, uh, a musician who's in the flow, like all of these things I, I think are spirit moving through us when we, kind of get the self out of the way when we get the ego out of the way and we're just open to our creative flow. I think that that is, that is spirit in a sense. I I don't really, 
I don't do a lot of the like separating. Like I don't, I don't necessarily believe in like multiple separate souls or that there's a bunch of spirit entities that are like separate from and, and distinct from any of, of us. I kind of see it all as, as one consciousness, one spirit that is, you know, it's like someone playing a role-playing game where they're playing trillions of characters all at the same time, rather than just focusing on one. Um, yeah. So, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, there could be like very distinct alien race of some kind that came down and offered stuff for change stuff, or it could be, you know, just purely flow, just, just things evolving and, and building on each other or somewhere in between. Um, I, yeah, I think there's certainly a lot of things that it's hard to come up with some other reason for. Um, besides, you know, yeah, the plants were sharing the information or some spirit was sharing the information like out of a jungle with millions of different plants to find a specific vine and a specific root that can be mixed together in a specific way to have this extremely life-changing experience. I mean, that's a lot of trial and error with a place full of poisonous plants for that to have just been stumbled upon. (laughs) Certainly not an evolutionary mechanism if you're talking about trying not to die and successfully reproducing to be just mixing up plants and possibly poisoning yourself. (laughs) So there's got to be merit to the idea that either the plant spirits share the information or something. But I think that is a beautiful way to consider whether it's channeling or any kind of sort of spiritual influence is that it's your spirit and what it's manifesting as is a reflection of what energy you're holding. So if you, I don't know if you feel like freaked out by poltergeist spirits or something, you can look within and see what maybe you're fragmenting in your own consciousness to create that. And then, uh, <laughs> what I like to the flow state concept, it just right brings me right back to the rainbow gathering model. And I'd, I'd love for you to talk about how, like a group flow state exists at the rainbow uh, gatherings and, you know, in, in context of like the 24 hour vegan kitchen, maybe you could talk about your experiences with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's definitely one of the places that I have most actively experienced like perpetual synchronicity and, and everyone really being in this flow state is you know, so at the rainbow gathering i'm I'm part of instant soup kitchen uh, or a 24-hour vegan kitchen that's been around for geez i think this will be our 22nd or 23rd year um we set up uh, about mid-june and for the first week of july when the main gathering's going on we serve non-stop and usually a few days before and a few days after as well and it's it's not, you know, it's not like a restaurant setting where it's like there's a head chef and there's a sous chef and there's dishwashers and there's this and that. There's a core team of maybe 15 or 20 people. There's two to five of us who are chefs. And then there's others who will step into that role sometimes. Uh, and everything else is just like uh, based on what needs to happen and who's around. You know, when I'm working on any given project, it's just... Hey, we need two veggie choppers or we need someone to wash pots or it's people coming over to me. And, you know, a lot of my work is really just like tapping into what's needing to be done and people coming up and being like, Hey, how can I help? And I'm like, uh, let's see you. You want to go do that? You can go do that or you can go do this. You know, it's, it's everyone just stepping in when it's fully voluntary. You know, one of the beautiful things about rainbow is it removes the, that, 
that argument point that comes up between capitalism and communism all the time of like, well, what about people having to work to eat? What about people who, you know, having to do something in order to get the, the means of survival? At Rainbow, that's not a factor. Everyone in the gathering has food for free, basically by going to any kitchen that's putting out food or by going to Main Circle where a bunch of kitchens are serving food. You know, there's no, there's no quid pro quo involved with food or water. And so when everyone is, is truly just free to do what they want to do, a lot of people with a lot of their time want to be of service. They want to help out with what's going on. They want to be a part of what's being created and what's being shared. And it's fully voluntary. Even, you know, people come in a lot of times people who work in restaurants and they come, you know, and they like want to use the term chef. They want to say, Hey chef, instead of saying my name, or they want to, you know, get really clear, like orders. They want to be guided, you know, more specifically. I'm like, well, here's the four things that could be done right now. Um, you know, which, whichever, which one seems most exciting to you. That's the one you should be doing. And people ask, you know, how do you want me to chop these, these carrots or this thing? And, you know, unless I'm working on a specific project, I'm like, well, you know, however you want to, whatever seems easy and fun to you. If you want to chop them four different ways, cool. Like I'm not worried about it. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, that experience for me is just so beautiful. I'm always just kind of like dancing through the kitchen doing, you know, 5,000 things at a time. And it's so easy. It's, I spend a lot of my time in kitchens, you know, at festivals and at retreats and conferences and staying with friends and, there is no time of year that I'm busier than at rainbow and there's no time of year that it's more easy and enjoyable. And I like wake up every morning with more energy than I had the previous morning. It's so beautiful because it's just this, it's a truly creating a bubble of the new paradigm in this, in this physical world. It's not talking about it or like making plans for it. It's like, no, we just go take a big chunk of forest and say, this is now a place of absolute sovereignty, absolute love, absolute unity. Here we go. And it, it's so mind blowing the way that that unfolds, even amongst people who have never, never considered living in that way. Really? You know, it seems too far fetched or too utopian for them. They step in and they just fit right into the flow. I definitely have this like romantic vision of wild humans just emerging out of the forest and creating this, temporary city of love and light and i'm sure that there's got to be a yin and yang to it and i'd like not to focus on the negative but can you talk about how the rainbow gatherings actually in the cases that there might be a dispute how that works and in a gift economy how possible differences of opinion and exchange might be dealt with or is it just pretty rare well part of it is there it is the rainbow right so there's the whole spectrum and the spectrum actually shows up in a very physical way at the gathering in, in rainbow, there's no alcohol, right? So once you cross the gate, which is a, a banner that says, welcome home. Once you cross through the gate, there's no alcohol past that point. So outside of the gate in like the parking areas, there's always what's called a camp. And that's where people are drinking. Most of them kind of like live in their RVs out there. They don't even necessarily come into the gathering. Some do, some don't. And then, once you cross into the gate, it's like that energy has kind of ended, but it's still, you know, the closer you are to the gate, the more you're going to run into people who have been drinking, the more you're going to run into people who 
are in the gathering, but they like going out every now and then for a drink. The more, you know, kind of the the darker, not, I don't know, I don't want to sound judgmental about it. Just like the energy is more like the outside world, the closer you are to the gate. And the deeper you go in the woods, the higher the vibration gets. And it's been, you know, fully, like I, I can see it and like almost measure it in the same way. It's the same pattern at every single gathering that I've been to. And it's really, I think that's a big part of it is like it, it making even the freedom and love voluntary. You don't have to dive right into where everyone's constantly hugging you. You can get to the point where you feel comfortable. You can get to your edge and be right there. And it, it's a beautiful way of setting it up where it just kind of self-organizes. Uh, in terms of, you know, conflict and stuff, there's some really beautiful practices at Rainbow. Uh, the idea of councils and consensus-based decision-making or just circling in general is huge. All major decisions are done by a big circle of people talking until there's an agreement, until there's consensus. All uh, Conflict, that's kind of where things go as well. If it's not, you know, an urgent thing, like people are in a fist fight or whatever, then it generally just goes to a council. You bring it with our kitchen. It's we get together all the core kitchen people and we go sit down and one person, you know, whoever it is, shares the issue they're having. The other person gets to share their experience of the situation. And then everyone else gets to, you know, either hold space or share where they've been influenced by it or whatever. And we just talk it out. And then in terms of those immediate situations, there's an idea called Shanti Sina, which was put forth by Gandhi basically means peace army. And it was part of his model of, of nonviolent peaceful reorganizing of everything. Instead of having police forces, you could just have people who are trained in conflict resolution, basically, or de-escalation. And so at Rainbow, there's that. There's a lot of people who actually have, you know, training, like certified training, school training in these things, as well as people who just have natural knacks for it. And they do workshops throughout the gathering. And if there's a fight, if there's looking like there's going to be a fight, if you know, the cops are coming after somebody, anything's going on. You just yell Shanty Cena and then everyone yell, everyone who hears it yells Shanty Cena. Like it spreads out. And if you feel like you can help with the situation, you move towards where the yelling is coming from. And if you don't feel qualified or like you have the space for it and you move away from where the yelling is coming from and it all kind of works itself out. Uh, obviously, you know, this, the gathering is all, cultivating people from this world like we're creating a bubble of the new world but it's all people who were born in this world of violence of oppression of control mechanisms of dogmas so a lot of that you know that stuff does get brought in it's held in a different way it's it's seen in a different way it's you know lovingly held rather than you know judged at least to a large degree but there yeah there are you know incidences of violence um almost exclusively happening out in a camp outside of the gathering. That was actually part of why that agreement was made that that rule as it were was put in place is because at the early gatherings, all the violence that was happening inevitably had at least one of those people uh, under the influence of alcohol. So it was decided, you know, this, this is causing our problems. Like this, this thing is causing more conflict, more violence than all of the other activities or chemicals or substances that are in the gathering. So we're going to, we're going to say that that doesn't fit in this space anymore. 
And it's really beautiful to see even how that is taken in when someone does come in. You know, a lot of people at any gathering are there for their first time. Probably at least a quarter of the people at any gathering are first timers. And you always run into at least one person who's got like a beer can. And it's beautiful to see it's always this like soft conversation. It's not like, you know, at an event where you're not allowed to have something and you get kicked out. It's like, hey, I don't know if you know, but here's the, you know, the kind of these rules, these agreements, here's some reasons why between the violence and lots of people being in recovery and this and that. And then just, you know, take it as an opportunity to connect and educate the person rather than like scold them or punish them for something. And then it just takes care of itself. And it kind of opens their minds a lot of time too, to like, Oh, wow. I just kind of assumed that everybody here was under the influence. These people are all actually having this great time and being like socially loose and stuff without it. Huh? Okay. Maybe I can too. Is there a camp crystal meth? (laughs) 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 No, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm thinking that that's going to be a little harder to tolerate. And also people on a substance like that wouldn't even be able to necessarily, uh, organize a a camp, but (laughs) maybe they could love, love for them as well. I just make that joke because you bring up alcohol as a substance that can bring on violence. And I don't know if a person that I met the other day was on alcohol or crystal meth, but I was at a, a show in my town of actually old school DJ, the crystal method, which actually has crystal meth in the name, which is why I kind of thought maybe it was meth Uh, and there's a lot of meth in my area, but I went into the bathroom to like go blow my nose and out of nowhere, this dude who's in the bathroom just looks up at me from across the the room and charges at me and tries to front kick me in the nuts. Like I've never even seen him in my life or met him before. And I just like sidestepped it and he kind of hit my thigh and I was like, whoa, that was really weird. And I took it actually on a personal note to have some significance to, uh, some root chakra stuff and why I would even be like running into a sort of lower spirit with that part of my body. I I, kind of see some mystical correlation there, hard to explain, but you may know what I mean by that. If if you're talking about under seeing a spectrum of humanity from the gate to the uh, core, then I think you get, you get that sort of chakra vibe of how it reflects in the outer world and why I bring up that particular substance and that anecdote other than to just kind of laugh about it is that, uh, (laughs) there was a really cool guy there who solved the conflict of this particular violent individual by taking them up into sort of the balcony area by themselves and just like moshing with them and dancing with them and being crazy with them, but keeping him from coming back down to where all the other people were without having to like get violent or restrain him or fight him or kick him out or make a, make something worse than it had to be. And I don't know who that person was. I just saw them up there doing it. And I was like, thank you, brother. This is like nonviolent conflict resolution, a lot like what you're talking about. So I just think that's really cool. I'm really inspired by that. And if you have anything else to say about rainbow or about gift economy, this would be great because I think it is definitely the, the model for ending scarcity. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that, excuse me, uh, a lot of where the, the conflict comes in, in, you know, the philosophical or economic realms, people kind of argue about like capitalism versus communism or capitalism versus socialism. And it's like, on one side is people who hold a high value for everyone being taken care of for, for not seeing others starve, for not seeing others, you know, out in the weather. And on the other side is people who hold a really high value for freedom of exchange, for having choice in how they interact, for having, you know, to not, not give to things that they don't want to give to, to not feel like they're being, you know, 
uh, sucked into a collectivist model. And I feel like the gift economy, especially when it's implemented the way that rainbow does really perfectly bridges those things where it's like, we have, and this is not even with like all the technology that we have and stuff. This is done super simple. We cook over open flames. We build kitchens out of wood and rope. Like this is very primitive. Never mind all the technology we have now that helps us move into this, this realm of abundance. But that, that mindset of it's important that we make sure everyone's taken care of. It's important that no one is forced to do things. Thus, we should probably make sure that between us, we're all figuring out how to make sure everyone's taken care of without forcing anybody to do anything. And that's pretty simple. I mean, obviously trying to implement that like on a global scale all at once through one system isn't going to work because that would be trying to do it top down. That'd be trying to force exactly. the structure in certain ways. <laughs> but yeah, it, we, we have abundance at our fingertips, obviously in like an energetic spiritual sense, like it, abundance is absolute. The universe is abundance. But even in, in terms of just like the physical realm, the actual materials and things, like we have hydroponics, we have aquaponics, we have vertical farming, we have permaculture, we have 3D printing, we have recycling of all sorts of materials now, gasifiers to turn plastic into oils. We have all these things that are, are just starting to reach mainstream consciousness or like are really getting getting present there and the idea that that people are going to have to go do something that they don't want to do for many hours a week or a day in order to have food and and water and shelter is seems pretty primitive to me and i feel like we're technologically we're already there uh we just have to kind of acknowledge it and and start acting as such you know you look at things like the housing market in the states where it's like up to 12 or so 12 or 13 empty houses for every homeless person like well that that tells me that there's a more abundance of housing than we need but the old system that old way of playing monopoly is making it so that those resources aren't distributed in a way that is logical or fair or you know non-violent really because you're yeah, anyway, that's a whole rabbit hole there with land ownership and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think if, if anyone listening hasn't been to a rainbow gathering, I highly, highly recommend it. It is a life-changing experience. They happen in basically every country on the planet at this point. And the U.S. has, you know, 30 or 40 of them a year. Uh, the big one being July 1st through 7th. And in the States somewhere, it's always in a different national forest. Uh, welcomehome.org is the unofficial official website of the rainbow gathering where you can find the history and lots of news articles and lots of forest service reports and legal proceedings and videos and documentaries and you know kind of everything you need to know to to at least get started down that rabbit hole so awesome as an outsider to rainbow gathering, just in that I haven't been to them, but definitely not an outsider in spirit and <laughs> definitely on the same mission. I look at stuff like burning man as oh, a different end of the spectrum where a lot of the same ideals are being implemented, but there's this like strange commercialization of it taking place. And so what I would say about not, not to knock burning man, because I'm sure it's amazing. And there's a lot of, unbelievable transformative experiences for people there. And, you know, they really emphasize art, but I look at it as something that could be infiltrated easily 
Whereas the rainbow seems like it'd be really hard to infiltrate and like bring bullshit propaganda into the picture and, uh, and sway people with mind control. Whereas like certain art, um, musical acts or certain speakers that I've seen promoted to be at burning man, I happen to know that they have at least intentional or possibly unintentional misinformation in their message. And I think that's a, a really important distinction. Like the rainbow family, the rainbow gathering is the next level of what people see as the positive element of something like Burning Man, of which there are many positive elements, no doubt, including stuff on gift economy and not leaving any trace. So all that is not to say that one is greater, but that possibly one is more accessible (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's one of those pieces of like how, how much is what we're creating aligning with our vision of the future. So it's like in Burning Man, yeah, it's the gift economy, but you have to pay hundreds of dollars for a ticket to get inside. The Rainbow Gathering, there's no money involved. There's no there's no organization or team or person who could take that money from you if they wanted to because it's all decentralized. It's all bottom up. It's all everyone bringing whatever they want to bring and seeing how it all fits together organically and and on the fly. And And we don't have that same level of the, I mean, I don't want to say it's necessarily just ego per se, but yeah, there's no one, there's, there's no one who's like promoted as being at the rainbow gathering. You know, there's no stages where people are performing really. There's granola funk builds a, a stage and people go do like open mics and stuff, but there's no sound system. There's no, that we kind of remove that, that hierarchy of like celebrity or any of that from the gathering. Uh, there's, yeah, everybody's just there. Maybe you recognize them, maybe you don't, but there's not really a lot of space for there to be like a cult of personality or for there to be celebrity type things going on. It just doesn't fit the way that things are organized. I think there's going to be more and more examples of hybridization of this type of model coming out. I have a personal friend who's been on the show before. He's a local guy named Nathan Crabtree who's putting together an event in our area called freedom fest, which is like similar to a a rainbow gathering for sure. But with the intent to also bring specific information to the people while they're there and have like sort of a list of topics that to be on our minds that like gather and, and counsel about. So I'm probably a lot smaller than a lot of rainbow gatherings because it's a first time event, but I just bring it up because if people are in my area and they like what we're talking about, they might find this accessible because it's a free event coming up in May that is in Ava, Missouri, where like, you know, if you want to perform music, come set up your PA or bring your guitar. If you want to give people tarot readings or even charge, charge them for something that you're doing, you're free to do it. Like it's literally freedom fest is the whole goal. So very aligned with exactly what you're talking about in, uh, in the rainbow world. And, it's cool that more of these things are, are coming up. And I hope listeners out there are also thinking uh, at least a few of them about doing the work that's required to, to organize us as a, a tribe, because as, as we've said, the freedom loving segment of humanity is not getting smaller. It's getting larger and it's just about connecting the dots. And I'm really interested in, like I said, these mystical forest hippies that probably have like kids that were never registered to the federal government and like never pay taxes. And it'd be interesting to me if we could talk about 
what you see as if, if any, uh, like a path for someone like me who has paid taxes, who is like part of the system, pretty, pretty tied in with like some debts and shit. Well, where do you, where do you go from there? Like what's some good first steps to get yourself to where you're at in terms of your relationship to the, uh, the powers that should not be. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting thing looking at like what the whole structure looks like and the ways to, to not be involved. But then once you, once you start going down those paths, once you start signing the contracts and stuff, how to get back out of that or how to, how to move away from those things. Yeah. Cause I didn't know. I mean, I just thought I was doing what I was supposed to do or had no choice, but to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the whole model, right? Like that's the whole thing. You just, you just convince everybody that they have to pay taxes or that they have to sign this or they have to sign that and nobody questions it and they, they go along with it. And that realistically that, you know, in a, in a lawful sense, uh, if you sign a contract without full knowledge, especially you sign a contract as a child or like things like your social security card where you never signed it, it was signed by someone else you know, your, your birth certificate was signed by someone else. Your social security stuff was signed by someone else. When you were an infant, um, they actually don't assuming that the, the rules of law were being, you know, followed that the game was being played according to the rules. Those things would have no, no hold whatsoever. They, they, they aren't valid. Uh, what, what gives them validity is the fact that people then follow along with it. They, they, they do, identify themselves as that all capital letters name that's on their driver's license or their passport. You know, when a cop stops you and you say, Oh yeah, here's my identification. You're, you're taking a step from, I am this human body here to, I am acting as a representative of this corporate trust identified on this document. And now you, you've sort of stepped yourself into that world. Um, I mean, the, there's so many approaches to this stuff from, you know, people like Dean Clifford or Curtis Kallenbach or, you know, uh, Mark Stevens. I really like a lot of his stuff. He's a lawyer down in Arizona uh, who focuses on like, where's your proof that these laws apply to me? Like, where's your proof that I'm within your jurisdiction? Where's your, like, that's his side. Curtis Kallenbach and Dean Clifford, both different angles, but kind of take that approach of, you know, filing the paperwork to get your original birth certificate so that you own that, you know, ownership paperwork for your body or filing the paperwork to separate from your, your straw man, or there's all these different facets. And I, it's hard to say how many of them or which ones really work or, or are safe or effective to use partially because, you know, most of the people that go down these paths aren't really public about it. You don't hear from them much. So we don't know what happens to them. And the ones that do, they're doing podcasts and they're, they're putting out books and they're like, they're being really obvious and, and in the open and they're making themselves targets. So of course they generally do get attacked by the system, but that doesn't mean that everybody who's doing it gets attacked by the system, but it's, it's hard to find that middle ground. And you know, realistically, if they want to screw with you, they're just going to screw with you. Like they can hold you and then release you later without having to charge you with anything. They can take your stuff and then either give it back to you or not without ever being responsible for it. You know? So it's like, it's really hard to say my, my personal approach is just non, 
non-involvement. Like, not, I, I just really don't interact with the government in any way, except basically when I'm crossing borders. It's kind of where it comes. I have, I have a passport uh, that has my my old slave name on it. I got about a decade ago, you know, but well before I started waking up to things. And, you know, that that's the only time that I exist in that system, which is still far more than I want. Um, yeah, it's, but you can cross the imaginary lines without getting shot. Exactly. Exactly. They, yeah, they, they'll let me, they'll let me walk across their imaginary line and usually take 20 bucks or whatever to allow me to do it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I personally, I find the, the, at least the early steps is just to start separating from, from interaction as much as possible. So, so, you know, not using banks, not using credit cards, not any, basically anything that asks for a social security card or number probably shouldn't be, shouldn't be jumping on that. Um, you know, taxes, it, moving to black market and gray market businesses, things where there is no paperwork created using cryptocurrencies instead of, you know, fiat, or if you are in it, you know, can you get a, a contracting job? So you're getting 1099 income. So even if you're filing, you can just write it all off or, you know, when I did have jobs, cause I, I worked full time for quite a while while not being involved on that side. And I just put on all my tax forms, you know, exempt on the, the W two or the W four, whichever one you, when you first get a job, I think the W two, let me just check exempt. So they don't withhold any taxes. And the meaning of exempt is I didn't owe taxes last year and I don't expect to this year. Well, for a whole variety of reasons, I don't expect to ever owe taxes because I'm not a corporate person. Income is corporate is a corporate term. Like, you know, the, the 16th amendment was never ratified by three quarters of the States. Like there's all these different rabbit holes, all these different ways in which these things basically don't apply to us. I mean, the constitution says that the federal government can only levy taxes on people who live in the district of Columbia or other land ceded by the States, like a military base or something. So there's, you know, there's, a lot of these different approaches or these different, you know, little, little holes or little glimpses that kind of show that this stuff isn't real. It doesn't apply to us. And it's kind of up to everyone to decide to what extent they want to just break away and, and not, you know, not get involved with it and just move away or to what extent they want to kind of sort of do battle in a way and like, you know, try to take ownership of their documents and try to, file these different affidavits of sovereignty and stuff like that, or to what level you just want to play the game normally, but play it well. And like, no, like, yeah, you should be writing everything off on your taxes so that you don't have to pay them. You should be, you know, you can jump through the hoops in the way that the millionaires do. They don't file the affidavits. They don't, they don't screw around on that side, but they make sure that they still don't pay taxes by just using some of the many loopholes that are built into the system. I think, you know, the tax side is, is one of the most important things. It's something I bring up constantly with people. Like, as long as you're paying taxes, you are actively funding genocide and war and Monsanto and forced vaccination and the, the government indoctrination school system, you know, and they, they managed to scare us into thinking that we have to, or else, or that it's, you know, a, a moral obligation or whatever it is. And in reality, you know, the IRS is a couple thousand people and if they're the only couple thousand people in history who have been able to 
you know, run an extortion racket on 300 million humans because they got everybody to believe that they should or they have to or else. And every now and then, you know, they go after somebody like Wesley Snipes or Lauren Hill because they can make an example out of them and they'll make a bunch of money off of them. But I, but they can't go after everybody. No way. Right. Yeah. I have a friend that deserted from the military and he is even now a registered tax paying citizen has a regular job, like went to real estate school, just lived his life and nobody's came after him. They don't have the means. It's a, it's the fear that keeps people actually in the boxes and following the rules because the government's just a few people. When we say they, it's literally like a very small percentage of the people. Oh <laughs> uh, man, you got, you really had my mind flying when you're talking just now. And one thing that I recently learned about that I wanted to bring up, cause I think it's interesting if we're talking about maybe taking steps on the spectrum back towards uh, natural law, sovereignty and self-ownership is, a really mind blowing example of uh, how the legal jujitsu is done, which is the difference between constitutional article state or article four state citizenship versus amendment 14 federal citizenship. So uh, I'll just break it down real quick. And then you can tell me if you've heard of anyone doing this. Uh, But how I understand it is that the article 14 or article four state citizenship is what grants all the constitutional bill of rights protections to a citizen of one of the several states, which would be anybody that is living in those lands uh, naturally. And then amendment 14 is what was the emancipation amendment, which granted federal government citizenship to everybody and the right of all people to vote in federal elections. So this is the big trick because to vote in that you have to take on the straw man identity and to get, so like your driver's license isn't actually a Missouri or California driver's license. It's a uh, state of Missouri, state of California, which is like a, uh, a corporation that actually is headquartered in Washington, D.C. So there's all this legal maneuvering and trickery where they make you think that first name, last name is the same thing as given name, family name. And I've heard of people actually being able to sort of revoke their signatures on their driver's licenses and things like that and actually even get state-issued IDs and even state-issued license plates that just look like government plates, actually, and able to do everything from crossing state and national borders to uh, whatever they need to do. And only like when they possibly get hassled by somebody, the state ID, which is something you can literally create yourself. It's not something you have to have issued to you. seems to help um, them identify themselves and not get in too much trouble or whatever. Have you, have you heard anything about this particular methodology for disentangling the uh, proverbial knot? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple of friends up in uh, New Hampshire, part of the free state project that that's kind of their angle on it is, is being state citizens and, and stepping away from the federal side while still, yeah, like existing on paper kind of thing. Um, I've, again, those two guys are both folks who it works for the most part. And also they do get thrown in jail for a day or two every now and then they get out and they don't go to jail, you know, they don't get sentenced or anything, but they do get picked up. Um, I think a lot of that is also because of like the energy that you bring to interactions with the police, just because you're right. If you're being rude to them or disrespectful, well, they're probably still going to screw with you. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. They're just people. I mean, always treat every situation with love. Take that, uh, 
what was the word that people call out <laughs> uh, for uh, for the oh, love Sha- army? Shanti Cena. Just like when you see the police, just say that to yourself and realize that this is the person that uh, needs to be um, loved back into their senses. And you're the the one person of the army that's there to do it. And it's not like a conflict between you and them. They think they're just doing their job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last time that I had an interaction with a, a, you know, a law enforcement officer where I was uh, behind the wheel of a vehicle and we were traveling down the, the open highways. Um, he came up and, you know, he, he turned on his lights. He declared a state of emergency. So I got out of the way and he chose to take that opportunity to pull up behind me and come up to the car. And he asked, you know, he asked for paperwork and I told him that I don't have any paperwork and I'm not required to have any paperwork to travel freely as a human being. And we went through this whole conversation, you know, and he, he's running through a script and actually, since then, I've wrote, written my own script that I've put out online and, and print little booklets of for people. And, uh, you know, he, he'd, he'd ask a question a few times and I'd kind of, ref, you know, ask him a different question or challenge why I should have to answer that question. And at the end of about 15 minutes or so, he ended up leaving, told me to have a good day, drive safe, which I wasn't driving. It's an important thing to note. Traveling is a different thing. But he never got any paperwork. He never got a name. He never got anything. And at the end, you know, yeah, he just wished us a good day and gave me his business card. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so awesome, man. Uh, it's literally like spell work that you can undo with your own spells. And I'm kind of curious if you can maybe tell me a little bit more about what that script is like. Uh, am I right to say that it involves pretty much answering questions with questions and what's the difference between driving and traveling? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's largely answering questions with questions for sure. Um, I can give you, uh, not to the point of annoyance though, right? You don't want to be like combative. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, that's never a good idea to, to battle with them in any way. Being one of the things that's really important, whether you're trying one of these activities or you're just going to give them your your ID and stuff like that, is to be respectful, but not put them on a pedestal. Like I don't, you're not an authority figure over me, but I am going to be respectful. I'm going to, you know, like acknowledge what you say. I'm going to keep a calm and even tone. I'm not going to mock you. I'm not going to, you know, anything like that. Like it's important to just. One, acknowledge that they're a human and two, acknowledge that they're a human who's been trained to respond in certain ways and to expect certain things. And the the farther you differ from what they're used to, the more likely they're going to see you as a threat. Um, so I can, well, you know, I'll send you over the kind of the document that I created. It's just a little four page thing. And I'll link it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. And so basically, well, to, to traveling versus driving, the difference there is that traveling is anytime that anyone is moving basically uh, on, on highways or um, on freeways or any, any sort of roadways uh, you are, you are traveling. If you're in a, a train, if you're in a car or whatever, driving is specifically defined as uh operating a motor vehicle for commerce. So if you're a taxi driver or an Uber driver or a delivery driver or anything like this, um, yeah. So 
one of the things I have in this little booklet is, is the legal definitions, you know, the actual title code and stuff. The definition of a motor vehicle is that uh, every description of carriage or other contrivance propelled or drawn by mechanical power and used for commercial vehicles, or sorry, commercial purposes on the highways in the transportations of passenger and property or property or cargo. So it says right there, anything that has to do with motor vehicles, so the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, only has to do with those vehicle, you know, those those uh, contrivances, those carriages, those things drawn by mechanical power and used for commercial purposes. So anytime that you're just heading home from somewhere, you're going to visit a friend or you're doing anything besides business, the thing that you're in, the car that you're in is not a motor vehicle, at least in that moment. It is not legally, lawfully a motor vehicle. And so the idea of the Department of Motor Vehicles having any say over it is completely like wrong. It's, it's irrelevant. They don't have anything to do with it because you're not in a motor vehicle. You are not driving. You are traveling in a car. It's so wild. There's other words in there too that are like trick, black magic words like... Uh, transporting persons because persons isn't the same as people like natural human beings is not the same as a person when you get to the crazy legal lees that they've got which basically tricks it's just a big trick and that's what I really get out of every time I have this type of conversation or investigate this thing it's like wow we literally are just one realization away from just no longer participating it's not actually a spider web that we're stuck to that we have to hack our way out of or, or, or whatever <laughs> or burn down or anything. It's like, no, just, uh, just know, know the spells and know the counter spells and you can dispel the, the hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you real quick. Oh wait, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's just, it's word magic. It's, it's getting people, you know, things like understand, Right. Anytime a police officer asks you if you understand something, the response is no. It doesn't matter what's coming after that. It doesn't matter what they're what they're talking about. They're not asking you if you comprehend. They're not asking you, do you grok this? They're saying, do you stand under my jurisdiction? And if you answer yes, you have entered into a verbal contract with them, wherein you are with under their jurisdiction. Like it's, and it's not something that even the police officers necessarily know. The lawyers know for sure. The judges know for sure. The police officers, most of them probably don't, but it's, they're trained to use these specific words because they do have specific meanings in this system, this game that's been created. It's mind blowing, man. This has been awesome. It's been a blast. We got to do this more often than maybe uh, like 15 or 16 months. I, I could definitely get down on whatever topics you want or come up with some more specific material because difference from then and now is I've got a lot more organized on questions and preparation. And I think it helps. I think we, we made something cool here. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I'm slowly getting around to starting a podcast of my own too. So then I'll be able to do it both, both sides. Um, you know, having, having conversations over there that'll kind of have a certain flow and a certain bent to them. And then conversations over here as well. Cool. Have me on and I'll talk about imagination. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. That'd be fun. All right. Well, we'll wrap up the, uh, this part of the conversation here. We'll fix it all up. And, uh, I've got a couple of friends. I'll, I'll shoot you their info. A couple of folks. I think you might really like to have 
on the show. Please. Um, that would help. Yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's really awesome to have that reflection moment on like how many of these amazing humans there are just, just of the ones that I've like connected with already, you know? And, uh, yeah, I want to totally, well, I definitely want to get connected to more of the community and that, uh, involves me getting out there and into the, into the fray in 3d good news on my end is that my nine to five Babylon job agreed to let me go down to four days a week. So now I have like a full day dedicated to working for myself. So that's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. And already on the first day that I did that, I <laughs> generated more abundance than a day working at the, the other jobs. So it's baby steps, but I'll be out of, I'll be totally out of that soon for sure. Wonderful. Oh yeah. That's yeah. It's so nice once you get, you know, the, even, even just the baby steps are so nice. Just to like have that feeling of like, Oh yeah, I'm making my way out of it. Yes. <laughs> I have a better situation than most though. Cause I work for my parents' mm-hmm. company. So I have like freedom. I'm not treated like a, a slave employee or anything. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. That- I'm working for my family's abundance. So there's like a whole nother motivation there that makes it a lot more tolerable to be there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, I better let you go. We're a little over. I know you have some, <laughs> some things to do. There's a lot of people that would love to share your, uh, your Kenny vibes. So <laughs> yeah. Awesome. brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. Again, for having me on and I look forward to connecting. Um, my partner and I are going to be doing a tour through the U S this summer visiting intentional communities. And we're definitely going to be going down to like dancing rabbit and East wind and stuff down in Missouri and Arkansas. So if nothing else, we can connect, you know, over the summer. Very cool. And there's more of those sprouting up all the time. And if you're passing through, I live in Springfield, which is like between Joplin and St. Louis, closer to Joplin, like in the Southwest corner, kind of close to Arkansas. So if you're sort of in that area, need a place to crash or hang out for a day or or four or whatever, totally hit me up. No problem. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to looking forward to connecting in person and yeah. I mean, I feel like we, we've got a great rapport and like our brains work in very similar ways and we've got a lot of the same interests and stuff and yeah. One spirit. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Definitely that same, that same wavelength coming through both of us. It's cool. Yeah. And it's flavored, it's flavored differently for each, but it's the same thing. Definitely. This is cool. Well, thanks for inspiring me as usual. I was really excited for this. And other than that hilarious faux pas, it's, uh, it's been basically perfect. So I'm sure we can salvage that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'll be great. Awesome, man. All right, man. Beautiful day. And uh, yeah, enjoy life. I'll talk to you soon. Booyah Kasha, my friends. We have completed another episode. Huge. Thank you to Kenny. I love talking to that guy. He's really an example of what can be done with our lives whenever we just are fearless and do the right thing and follow our bliss and our passion. I really, really liked his story about how to deal with getting pulled over when you don't have a a slave ID driver's license. But because Kenny's kind of an off-the-grid dude, whenever I did hit him up and ask him for a link to that script he talked about, the four pages or so that one could use to help get out of that kind of traffic trouble. Uh, He didn't actually get back to me and that's probably because he's doing his own thing somewhere where he doesn't have cell reception or whatever. And if I do hear from him soon, I'll go link that in the show notes in case someone's listening to this a few weeks later. But if you're wanting to find that now, 
I would go comb through his blog on Steam It, Kenny's Conscious Kitchen, which I'll make sure is linked in the show notes for sure. And another thing you'll find in the show notes is a link to Freedom Fest, which if you're hearing this episode right after it comes out, y'all should know that this event is taking place from 5-3 to 5-5, so this coming Friday through Sunday. And if you're in the Missouri or Arkansas or nearby area and you're interested at all in coming out to a free event and meeting with like-minded, freedom-loving people like myself and Nathan Crabtree, who's hosting it, you can find us at the New Haven Event Center near Ava, Missouri, and it will be linked in the show notes how you can find it. And I'll also link a live stream that I did with Nathan a few weeks back where we talked about the festival and some of the major issues regarding human freedom. A lot of those issues pertain to the medical industry and how a lot of our elders especially are being slowly murdered by it. I have some personal experience with this lately. I don't want to say this as like an oh poor me pity party, but I've had three of my four grandparents leave their bodies in the last nine months. And all three of them were completely failed by the doctors and hospitals. To be honest, they had some health issues that came about from poor dietary choices, but that's a whole nother conspiracy in and of itself, what passes for food in this country. But certainly as I watched them wither away in the lack of care that the hospitals provide, it was hard and it took a lot of my energy to deal with that. Now, I don't want to sound selfish, but sitting with your grandmother for an overnight stay in the hospital while she's trying to just get some rest and every 20 minutes these people are coming in and trying to check her blood pressure and doing all this uncomfortable stuff for her, it doesn't seem like a place that facilitates and promotes real healing or real peace. I'm not calling out or blaming any one doctor or any one nurse. If you're someone that works in this profession, I thank you for what you're doing that does bring love and light and healing to those that you're working with. But you've got to realize that these medications are crazy. How many things end up causing you to need another medication just to deal with the supposed side effects of the first thing? Man, if that's the effect, it's not a side effect. It's an effect. I just hate watching more and more of our beloved elders succumb to sickness and suffering, unneeded suffering. It took a lot out of me to be there for that. And that's why this last week there wasn't a podcast episode. And that's why I chose to put out this shorter one this week because it would take me less time. And I just wanted to get some, keep the ball rolling, you know. And I've been sitting on this one for a while and I really thought it was a phenomenal conversation. Thanks for letting me get a little raw about that. Uh, I've really appreciated all the, the love and kindness that has come through from the tribe as I went through this with my personal family. And now that I do have these grandparents that are no longer in their earth bodies, I actually can say that I carry them with me and I feel more connected to them than ever before. I think some of you will know what I'm talking about, but whenever somebody is no longer with you, you can still talk to them. Just imagine what they would say, ask them a question, whatever. That voice inside that you hear coming back in their voice or their laugh, that's them because we're all one. This is all a mental state we're in, one mind. We're not separate little robots that need to be somehow connected by our Wi-Fi devices in order to actually stay in touch from long distances. The technology is useful for where we're at in consciousness right now, but 
It is far from the end-all, be-all. Our real connection is eternal, universal, omnipresent, and definitely, definitely there as soon as you're ready to tap into it. I mean, you've probably, if you've been listening to the show long enough, you've probably got the ability to even psychically tap into me. Ask me a question. See if my voice comes into your head. But don't ask for medical advice. I'm not a professional. (laughs) Speaking of connecting with me, though, I'd like to hear from more of you on social media. I enjoy every message I get. Even if it takes me a while to get back to you, I'm so happy to be connecting with you, Tribe, because our connection is our power. It's our strength. And when you inspire me, it gives me more fuel to inspire you back with what we do here on the podcast. I promised myself I wasn't going to get into a really long monologue here because I do want to get this production wrapped up and the episode published so I can move on to the many, many good episodes that are currently in the works that I've already got interviews recorded for. So I'll just urge you one more time, come out and hang out with me at Freedom Fest if you're nearby the area. If you're not, check out the live stream I did with Nathan and hear a little bit more about our intentions for this event. Maybe it'll inspire you to start something similar in your own area if you've got the ability, which guess what? You do. You just got to set the intention and start taking the steps and it'll come. And we really need this decentralization more than ever, especially if we're going to achieve our goal of sovereignty by 2020. Is that your goal? I bring it up because it definitely is my goal. I want to have a new clear view of the world by 2020, if you know what I mean, 2020 vision. I think I'm close. I think you're close. And all that's left between me and you and cracking this thing wide open to having full creative freedom is the trust in ourself, the trust in the universe, which is ourself, and the changes for our own health and benefit that are required to keep us moving there. It doesn't mean we have to change everything about what we're doing all at once, but just know that because this is a state of infinite perfection that we're seeking and it's basically a never-ending journey, that as long as you're in the direction of moving towards your own perfection, you're there already. (laughs) And even when you don't feel like you're moving towards it, you are. As wise men have often said, a fool who persists in his folly will become wise. I know that one from experience. And I'm dealing with, I say dealing with, that's a language I want to change. I am playing with a lot of new modalities for bringing about healing and wholeness in my own body for various issues that have come about because of my abuse of this or that, abuse of myself with this or that substance, even things as simple as coffee. And without getting into all the grimy details, I will say that bringing my observer to it and being honest with myself about things going on in my body that are just not right, it's been really empowering. And it's not as scary as it seems when you're not dealing with it. When you're making those steps, it all becomes clear. It all becomes fun It all starts moving and flowing. I hope the same is true for you guys that are on your own journey of finding that wholeness and balance within. I really love you. I'm so happy you're here with me. Thanks for being on the show. Share it with your friends. Go leave a review on iTunes. That's always a cool thing to do. If you get on the iTunes podcast app, you leave a review there. I'll actually read it on the show if you write something. It's been a while since we got any new reviews. I haven't asked for a while, so let's see what happens. Drop me a line there. Drop me a line anywhere. You can subscribe to the show on basically anywhere that podcasts are served. If you aren't aware, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, every podcast catching app in existence. And of course, there's the Patreon. Yeah, there's no plus extension this time, but 
you still ought to do yourself a nice little favor and sign up for Plus so that you can hear all the previous past archived episodes of Plus that we've put out. Those second hours are really juicy. I would have loved to have got a second hour with Kenny, but this first hour, I'm glad it worked out the way it did because if it had happened that I recorded the first hour, then what you just heard would have been the Plus extension. So if that's not a clue as to how good the Plus extensions get, I don't know what is. And I'm like I said, I'm glad that you're getting this episode's Plus extension as your free show because of that Mercury retrograde faux pas that happened that, of course, as you heard me mention, ended up being for the best, as all things always do. So I could talk to you guys all day, but I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Big thanks to everyone for listening. Big thanks to Kenny for coming on. Also, a shout out to True Universal and Supertask because the uh, song I'm about to play for you in the outro is produced by the epic music producer Supertask and then with some excellent vocals laid on top by True Universal, a fellow anarchist supporting artist out there doing what they can to spread love, light, and freedom. So thank you, True Universal. Thank you, Supertask. You'll find a link in the show notes to both of them. And that's it for me, y'all. Like I was telling you, I've got some great stuff coming up in the works, including an episode about comic books and an episode with the return of the incredible Hakan Hasim, a Turkish digital artist of completely mind-blowing visionary ability. So stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed everywhere. Thanks for tuning in. I love you all, and we'll talk soon.
and truth is love, the highest value I can offer. I will not give up, each and every one of us, together we are stronger. Dream. 